The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today we have a very special guest, Ivan Meisner. Now, Ivan has been with us before, and he is known as the guru of networking, the father of networking, although he's not that old. But we really, really know that Ivan has been in this business for a long time and has become one of the most successful networkers around the world. He founded BNI, which is the world's largest business networking organization, and he's written many books, a couple of them, New York Times bestsellers, Masters of Networking, Business Networking and Sex, which hit number one on Amazon just last month. And Business Networking and Sex, well, it's not what you think. So good morning, Ivan. Welcome to the show. Hi, Cheryl. Thanks a lot. Hey, I'm just glad they're not calling me the grandfather of modern networking. <laughs> Your time will come. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm afraid. So, so I'm so glad you're here. Now, we've had you on the show in the past. And people are very intrigued with the whole concept of networking and absolutely terrified of the whole concept. <laughs> and I know you have a lot of experience with helping people through that. Um, at, let, let's start a little bit, though. This morning, where are you? Uh, I'm actually at uh, my office today. Um, I'm not traveling this week. Uh, I've been on a book tour in about 30 cities. I just got back from New York. Oh, so so you've got a few days to land and and breathe and and do other work. <laughs> yes, catch up on everything. Catch up on everything. Well, so so during your off time, you you must network all the time. Do you network when you're sitting at home? Well, you know, I think that uh, there are ways of connecting with people today that didn't exist uh, when I started BNI 27 years ago, so the, the technology and online networking. So I'm, I'm a fan of online networking. Uh, I use LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, um, sites that aren't as well-known in the United States like Ching, which is a German-based uh, online network, and uh, Academy, which is one of my favorite online networks. So, yeah, I can, I can network from home uh, with online networking. So take us back, Ivan, to the beginning. What got you interested in networking way back when? Yeah, well, I was a management consultant. I was 28 years old, started a consulting company a couple of years earlier, and I had lost a, a pretty big client of mine. 
and at, at when I was 28, and had been doing it for a couple of years, lost this big client, and I was looking for a way of generating more referrals because uh, as a business consultant, referrals were the way I got virtually all my business, uh, referrals and speaking engagements. And so I put together a small group of people I trusted, and they trusted me, and we agreed to refer each other. You know, I'd like to tell you that I had this vision of an international organization, but, but the truth, truth is I just, I just wanted a little, little bit of business, uh, small referrals. <laughs> And I, I put these people together, and the first group, we, we allowed only one person per profession, and so someone came and couldn't join, and she asked if I'd help her open a second group. And I said, well, this, this isn't really what I do. You know, I'm a business consultant, but yeah, sure, okay, we can do a second group. We did a second group. Two people came who couldn't join. Both of them said, gee, you know, this is great. I could get a lot of business. Would you help me open up my own group? So I'm like, oh, okay, I can do a couple more. And we ended up opening 20 groups the first year by accident. Wow. And it was really it was that it was at that point that I realized I had struck a chord in the business community. That um, you know, but we don't teach this in colleges and universities. We don't teach people how to network, and so people were hungry for it. What I didn't realize is that I wasn't the only person. I mean, I thought I was like the only person who didn't know how to do this. But I found is that there are a lot of people that struggle with this, and um, and so B and I kind of took off. We now have by the way six thousand two hundred groups in almost fifty countries around the world. That is quite a phenomenon. And, and an organization with such a great reputation, something that terrifies people. So how do you get past that whole concept, that whole fear that people have of networking? Well, the first thing that I do is, you know, when I'm talking to somebody who considers themselves to be an introvert, uh, I start by letting them know that um, introverts actually can be a lot better at this than extroverts. Because you have to understand that extroverts have no problem introducing themselves. The problem is they can't sh- they can't shut up. <laughs> All right. So extroverts, okay. their weakness is that they start a conversation and they just keep going and going and going and they talk about themselves and they talk about their business and they try to close deals. And um, the truth is, a good networker has two ears and one mouth and uses them both proportionally. That you should be listening as much or more than you're talking. And so I tell an introvert, you, you actually have an advantage. Um, when you strike up a conversation with, with someone for the first time, just ask questions and listen. Because the person who's listening is the person who's learning more about the other individual. And a good networker uh, is learning as much about the other person as possible. Uh, and so what they have to learn to do, the introvert, is they have to learn how to strike up a conversation with people they don't know. And that's uh, easy to do if you look for a few things as you're networking. Well, now, your newest book, Business, Networking, and Sex, parentheses, not what you think, um, <laughs> it, it hit number one on Amazon just last month, so congratulations. And, Thank you. You know, this book is a little bit different than some of your other books on networking. You have a premise that there's a difference between the way men network and the way women network. And that in itself is a little controversial because, you know, we like to think that there's an even playing field and everything works the same and there aren't that many differences between men and women in the business world. But you're here to say, oh, no, 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 it's different. Talk about that. Well, it is different. And uh, before all of the women in the audience get all upset, um, the the findings that we we got from the book, and we did a survey of 12,000 people all around the world, uh, it is different. And women actually uh, did better at at the process of networking than men did. Uh, And and I'd love to talk more about that in in a while. But there are differences. And the bottom line is that um, women 
are more likely to be relational in their networking, and men are more likely to be transactional. And, and by that I mean, um, no, for your audience, as I'm describing all of this. You're going to have people in the audience that are thinking, that's not me. I'm, you know, I'm like that or I'm like this. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. I, I'm not talking to them. I'm talking about the average person. Remember, this is a survey of 12,000 people. And you, right. get some, you get some averages. You get some, you get some data that gives you um, trends in behavior. And, and this doesn't mean that every man behaves this way or every woman behaves this way. It's right. just the trends. Uh, and everything that I talk about is, uh, it, it involves data that is statistically significant, meaning that if you were to replicate the survey, that you would have a uh, plus or minus 5% chance of uh, uh, replicating it exactly. So or 5% chance of it not matching. In other words, it's a 95% chance of it being accurate. So. What we found was that women were more likely to be relational than men, and men were more likely to be transactional uh, than a woman. And uh, it's a a complex process that involves what we talk about as the VCP process. I don't know if we spoke about that the last time we we talked, but VCP is critical in building a powerful personal network. It's the foundation of everything we teach. Um, First, you have to be visible in the community. People have to know who you are and what you do. Then you have to establish credibility where people know who you are, they know what you do, and they know you're good at it. And then you go to profitability where people know who you are, they know what you do, they know you're good at it, and they're willing to pass you referrals on an ongoing reciprocal basis. Our hypothesis coming into this, and by the way, the book was co-written by two other people, Hazel Walker and Frank DeRaffley, and every chapter was split into three sections. The survey says, which was my material, I talked about the data, he says, which is Frank's perspective, the male perspective on the data, and she says, which was the female perspective on the data. And going into this, we had a hypothesis, and it was actually Hazel who came up with this idea, that women would be more likely to go from visibility to credibility and get caught up in credibility and have a more difficult time than men to ask for the sale, to close the deal, and that men would be more likely to go from visibility right to profitability. Hi, Cheryl. My name's Ivan. Let's do business. By the way, we, we called that premature solicitation. <laughs> Very Which you don't, want to say, you don't <laughs> want to say that fast three times. It'll get you in trouble. <laughs> well, now, Ivan, you know, this whole concept that the, I love that, the visibility, credibility, and profitability, um, and that some people go right in for, as you, you might call it, go in for the kill, right? Yeah, and, right. Um, and Which is directly into the profitability arena. And yet there are a lot of people who are really, really successful by using that formula, right? They, go, they skip over the visibility, credibility. They assume they have that, and then they just go right in for the sale. Um, and, and so how do you compete with that? You know, I mean, that seems like that's a pretty successful approach for some people. Well, it may be a, a successful approach for some people, but it's not networking. It's direct selling. So um, if they want to try to build their business through direct selling, um, they should continue to do that. But I think we're finding more and more. Um, I mean, just look at the kind of sales training that took place 20, 30 years ago. Core of the sales training that was taking place 20 or 30 years ago was technique oriented, an either or close, uh, 
I mean, they had all that's one close. I'm trying to think of some of the bounce back close. You know, they had all these closes where if somebody says this, you say that. And it was all about technique. More and more, you see sales training about relationships and, and, and consultative sales where you're getting to know the person and you're serving uh, their needs. You're trying to solve a problem. And so I think you see a transition not only in the sales arena, but uh, in the business networking arena where people understand that it's all about relationships. Now, does that mean that some people can't be successful through direct selling? No, of course they can. Um, You know, cold calling still works. Who wants to do it? Very few people love cold calling. Right. But I know it. I know it works. I used to train people how to cold call. I had a whole sales force that I uh, um, uh, brought in and, and developed with a company as a consultant. And uh, they were very successful at it. But it's a horrible, horrible way to earn a living for most people. Most people hate it. So, you know, does it work? Yeah, it can. It's just not what most people want to do. And so what happens is because there's a lot of people out there trying to do that, they fail in their networking efforts. Give me an example of what I mean did a presentation in London um, a couple of years ago, and there was like 900 people in the audience. And I said, um, how many of you are here today? Raise your hands. <laughs> if you're here today hoping to, to, buy, uh, to sell something, if you want to sell something, if you think maybe you'd like to sell something today, raise your hands. And almost everybody raised their hands. I said, great. How many of you are here today? Raise your hands if you're hoping to buy something. And nobody raised their hand. Not one single person. And that's, that's the networking disconnect. That's where it goes wrong, where people show up trying to sell and nobody's there to buy. And, if, and what we have found is that if, if you are running events like that or if you're involved in networks where everybody's there to sell, 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 and nobody's there to buy, um, it's falling on deaf ears and you're not going to sell much. It's all about building the relationships. And that's why I said earlier that the introvert actually has an advantage because they're more, they tend to be a little more relational. Well, you know, I, I have been in those networking situations, especially early in my career, where, and, and I, you know, self-proclaimed in, introvert, um, and have trained myself to, you know, be better at how, how to engage with people. But I do have had that experience where, you know, walking into a networking meeting and meeting people and trying to spark a conversation. And um, if someone is that more that transactional person, they don't stick around very long, and they are scanning the room for who's next, and they're not interested in in really getting to know you. And so that doesn't help the confidence of that person. So coach us how, you know, what do you coach that introvert to then do, rather than take that personally, right? Right. Well, first of all, one of the things that we found is whether in the book uh, with the survey of 12,000 people is that whether you're a man or a woman, those people who tended to focus more on the relationship first and the business second were more successful at networking. Whether you're a man or a woman, the people who focus on building the relationship first and and the business second, you were going to be more successful at generating business through word of mouth, so through referrals. So, um, you know, you go to events and you're going to find people out there who um, are hunters. And, you know, I try to teach people that networking is more about farming than it is about hunting. It's about cultivating relationships. So you can always find hunters. Sometimes it's because they don't know any better, which is often the case. They just don't know any better. 
And so they think it's about passing out cards and trying to close deals. And they honestly think that if they hand out more cards, they're going to get sales. Um, and so it's just a matter of not being educated because it goes back again to the fact that we don't teach this in school. Right. Um, and so, so what you want to do is if you're that introvert that you're talking about, is you want to try and find other like-minded people. And so if you're at a big event, there's a lot of people, you strike up some conversations with some, you ask them questions, you find out about what they do. You, if you find somebody who you think, this would be somebody I'd like to get to know better professionally, they have good contacts, um, they're, you know, they seem to be successful, then you use that as an opportunity to set another appointment with them, to sit down and do one-to-ones. One-to-ones are probably one of the most powerful techniques um, in, in networking is that follow-up meeting with the people who you want to try to build a relationship with. And in that case, you use a technique that we call the GAINS exchange. It stands for goals, accomplishments, interests, networks, and skills. And you literally complete the GAINS exchange on yourself. And, and you know, as you get to know them, the other person, you have them do the same. And you share those things with each other, what your goals are, what your accomplishments are, what your interests are, etc. Now, the reason for that is that when we found that when there's overlapping areas of interest, when one person has, another, has an overlapping area of interest with another person, all of a sudden they have something to talk about. And when you're talking and building a, a professional relationship, you're much more likely to actually refer each other. Lots of experience uh, seeing where that has actually played out. Well, you know, in the book, you um, you talk about the data. You show some tables about the data. And as I was looking at this, I began to realize that, yes, there's differences in perceptions, but it's not as far different. There's not as big of a gap between the male and female perspective as I might have expected. Um, for instance, on page 73 in the book, there's a, a table called When Networking for Business, I Believe. Yeah. And, you know, yes, and the, and the two categories are it's better to focus on business and build a relationship later, or it is better to build a relationship first than focus on the business. And, right. Right? So the, the women who took the survey, 50.5% said, well, no, it's better to build a relationship first than focus on the business. And right. 50, Fifty-two percent of the men said that it was better to build to focus on business first to build a relationship later. You know that's not as as far apart as I may have expected it to be. Well, there's about a five percent difference between the men and women on the uh, business first and then the relationship later. So there's a there's a uh, a further distance there. Let's come back to the thing of what a relationship because men and women define relationship differently. We have found. Ah. Before we. Yeah. Before we come to that, let's let's talk for a minute about about in some cases the difference is is not uh, a big number, and we were when we were first looking at the data, we saw in many cases that the, that they were fairly close. That Mars and Venus weren't two different planets, but they were like two different cities in the same uh, county. Right. That, that they were reasonably close to each other. Well, a couple of things with that. We we at first we were concerned because you know is there a book here if if men and women um, are that close on the objective data so when asked an objective question uh-huh. men and women de- de- defined it in their own terms as that gender and the and the answer wasn't that terribly far apart however 
when we started looking at the uh, the subjective data, the the open-ended answers, wow, was there a difference? Men and women weren't two different planets. They were two different galaxies in in in, in the universe. I mean, they were just light years apart. On their well, I want to get answers. some examples of this. And we're going to go to break first, but when you come back, I want some examples of what this sounded like. We're going to be right back. You get it. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Well, welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito and our special guest today, Ivan Meisner, author of Business, Networking, and Sex, but not what you think. So, Ivan, we, in the last segment, we explained a whole lot about how to network, what it is, and some of the differences between men and women. And then we found that um, men prefer to focus on business and build a relationship later, and that women like to focus on building a relationship first, then focus on business. And you said that some of the differences in the data showed up in some of the um, comments that the respondents were allowed to make. Talk to us about the differences. 
Well, the objective data it came out pretty close. I mean, in many cases, the you know the men and women were fairly close, as you pointed out in the last segment, particularly on the uh, focusing on relationship. Women were just a little bit more likely, but it's in the in the subjective data where it went. Uh, amazingly in the opposite direction. Uh, I mean, it was like we were surveying a whole different group of people because uh, the women complained a lot about men's behavior at networking events. Uh, Men complained about uh, women dressing provocatively. Uh, Okay, so actually they didn't complain, but they did comment about... (laughs) Women dressing provocatively, and they, they they commented a lot on that. And so, when you start reading the the subjective data, because we 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 had an open ended question at the end of the survey saying, "Tell us a little bit about your experience in doing business with the opposite sex," and and the differences were just amazing. For example, we had one thousand open ended answers, and I'm going through these open ended answers one at a time, and somewhere in the middle, there's four in a row that just jump out at me. First three are women, last one's a man. First three go something like this show. I hate going to networking events, men are pigs. Uh, you know, all they, <laughs> men are pigs, all they do is hit on you. You know, that's the next one. All, all men do is hit on you at networking events. It's like a dating thing. Uh, you know, men just don't take uh, our business seriously. It was one after another, boom, 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 three women. Fourth one's a guy. No kidding, I'm not making this up. He says, I love networking events. They're a great way to pick up checks. Oh, God. <laughs> so on behalf of men everywhere, I would like to apologize. <laughs> well, now, I'm, so I, I imagine it is a, a you know, rich environment to, re, to meet people who are highly intelligent and successful, and so, you know, I can imagine there is some temptation to let that kind of, you know, well, there is. Pleasure, but right? one of the things, but one of the things we found was that that a concept we came up with a concept that I think is really relevant here, and that is that the exception becomes the perception. And let me let me explain. When you you know our experience, uh, Hazel and Frank and I, um, we've all been involved in BNI for many decades, and for several decades, and and so they they have a lot of experience in, in networking events, and all of us, our experience was that most men behave completely professionally at networking events. They don't misbehave, the majority of men. It's this small perception that, that behave badly. And so it's that small perception that the women are talking about. It's that small exception that the women are talking about. Those, those couple of guys in a big event that are behaving badly, and so the women are talking about those couple of guys. Women, women dress very professionally for the most part. You know, they're not dressing like they're going out to a nightclub at most networking events. But let me tell you something, Joe. Those those couple who are, they are the topic of discussion for the men in the room. In the room. So what happens? And for the ladies, by the way. So what happens is, you get this exception, this rare exception that becomes the perception of the gender. So th- this is a perfect example example of how stereotypes are alive and well. Because when you look at the objective data, they're not that substantially different. But when you look at the subjective data, wow, they're light years apart. Well, it makes me think about the phrase sex sells, right? And so even though people aren't there to buy sex or to sell sex, um, anything that kind of looks like it gets the attention. It does. I would say sex sells, but it doesn't refer. 
I like that. <laughs> so you might if, keep the if, attention in the moment, but you're not going to get business later. That's exactly right. Or you're going to get business, but it's going to be monkey business. It's not going to be the kind of business that you're looking for. So we tell men and women, we say, dress for the referral you want to get. And so, you know, if women are dressing provocatively, they're going to get a referral, but it's not going to be the kind of referral that they're really looking for. Um, And so, and of course, men dress badly as well, but it's generally that they're not dressing professionally. It's not as a rule, it's not that men are dressing provocatively, but they're, they're, they're not dressing professionally. So it's an issue for both genders. But what, was, what came up over and over again with the women was the, the way men were behaving, and what came up with the men was the way the women were dressing. Now, let's talk for a moment about uh, how we define a relationship, because we found that a, that a relationship, a business relationship, is really different uh, for a man and a woman. And we kind of stumbled on that by accident and looking at the open-ended answers, and we started doing interviews. And and I interviewed one woman who said, well, I'll give you an example. Um, I have a relationship with my uh, dry cleaner, and and I think, uh, you know, I have a, a professional relationship, but I know these people, and my husband doesn't. And he, you know, he picks up the laundry as much as I do. So I thought that was a little strange, so I started asking people. Uh, and uh, as a matter of fact, I was going to test this. You've met my wife, Elizabeth. Yeah. And I was lovely woman. I, I met her in BNI, by the way. It's the best referral I ever got. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we um, we were. I was speaking at an event uh, at night, and it was the first time I was covering any of the material that I was going to do for the book. And I said, Hey, honey, I'm going I'm to try something out. Tell me what you think about this. And she said, What are you going to do? I said, well, there's going to be about 600 people there. I'm going to ask them, and I'm going to say, guys, raise your hand if you have a relationship with your dry cleaner. And I said, I would predict about 5% of the men will raise their hands. And then I'm going to ask the women, ladies, raise your hand if you have a relationship with with your dry cleaner. And I said, I predict 70% of the women are going to raise their hands. And Cheryl, she looked at me without skipping a beat, and she said, oh, honey, I, I don't think I'd do that. I mean, I don't have a relationship with Richard and Diane. <laughs> I, right. Uh, I know they have two dogs, cute little dogs, and I know uh, Diane was walking down the street because they deliver laundry, so I've seen them, you know, as much as my wife has. Uh, I know Diane was walking down the street, and she tripped and fell and really hurt her leg. It was really bad. Uh, and I know they really want to travel to the Middle East, but uh, Richard's afraid of traveling, and Diane really wants to see the pyramids. And then she stops and she goes, oh, maybe I do have a relationship with them. And I look at her and I say, Richard, Diane, is that their name? Right? I don't even know their names. And I'm supposed to be an expert at networking, but men tend to be a little more transactional. And it plays out in things like this, where even though in the, subjective da- in the objective data, the women seem to be closer, the truth is they define relationship differently. And so uh, they have a relationship with the people they're doing business with, and men tend to be a little more transactional with it. I specifically asked John Gray. You, you and I both know John. I asked him about this, and he said he wasn't surprised at all. The men would view the dry cleaner, even if they know the dry cleaner, they would view it as a transaction. They do a good job. I'd recommend them. I would definitely refer them to other people, but there's no relationship there. Whereas women view that as a relationship. And so the way they define relationship is a lot different, and that accelerates, that accentuates the difference in the statistics, I think. Well, you know, that makes me think of um, my husband and I often go to, to fundraisers related to business. He's 
in finance and very successful and um, always networking. And I've always seen him being just really successful at networking. And when we go to these events, and often it's clients or um, colleagues, at the end of the evening, I will say something about one or two specific people that I met there. And, and invariably, I will tell him something about, oh, I didn't know that they did this or went there or had a daughter that da-da-da-da or that he had a father who died. Or, and he, my husband will look at me and say, how do you do that? How do you know that? I didn't right. know they had a daughter. And, and I'll right. start laughing. What are you talking about? How do I do that? I just talk to them. Right. So it makes me think of that. That's that's very good. Yeah. Well, it it seems to be common, and and here I am. You know, I'm I'm supposed to be one of the world's leading experts in networking, but I find that uh, I too sometimes are too transactional, and that the and I know intellectually that the more relational I am, the better. But it's something that men in particular have to practice. They have to practice that relational because what tends to happen is you'll ask me, so what do you, so Ivan, what do you do? And then I go through my resume, boom, 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 and and I think people uh, now if I'm talking to a man, a man is impressed by my resume. Right. Women, less so. They want yeah. to know about me as a person, right. my character. And right. so my resume doesn't do much for women. Right. Uh, but for a man, that, that's important. So one right. of the things that we're trying to teach people is learn how to communicate with each other. Because a man should communicate a little differently with a woman. A woman should communicate differently with a man. One of the problems that we found in the book was that women tend to be, because they tended to be a little relational, men don't take them as seriously. Let me uh, tell you something. And you, you know this as well as I do, Cheryl. Right. Um, women take their business seriously. Right, they, right. They just go about it differently. Right. And so um, here's an example that Hazel uses in her speeches. And we were just in New York, and this is a perfect example. Um, she said, here's, here's a perfect example I, that, I, uh, that I've witnessed in both directions. Uh, a man asks a, a Mary Kay uh, consultant what she does, and she says, oh, I'm a Mary Kay consultant. I, you know, I sell cosmetics and, uh, for women. And, and, and a lot of men would hear that and not take that serious. Okay. Now, here's another answer that she heard about a Mary Kay consultant. She said, uh, I run a sales team of about 50 women. We generate approximately $2.5 million of business a year in the cosmetics industry. Oh. And, uh, and she said, I'm the supervisor. I'm the managing director of uh, a team of about 50 women, and we generate about you know millions of dollars worth of business. And she said, when you, when you present it like that to a man, the, the, the person's going to take him seriously. That and it's makes just so much the... sense, Ivan. It makes so much sense. And yet, you're right. You know, not only are people not taught to network, I think most women are not taught to position themselves that way. They're not. You're absolutely correct. And, and, and for women, it's not, nat- it's not as natural. And again, I'm not talking to you listening to me. I'm talking to the average woman listening to me. Some well, you know, I mean, I have to, I have to, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, but I do have yes. to say that, um, you know, I did have a bit of a reaction to the concept of this as I was beginning to read the book. I'm like, well, now, wait a minute, da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. But as we're talking here, I'm thinking to myself in the situations, right? And when men do, as you said, you know, give me the litany of their resume, I just kind of do a yawn, you know. It's like, oh, yeah. how nice for you, you know. And, and so here's the, and I look at this person and I think, oh, you know, you must be really enjoying your ego right now. Right. And 
And then I, I, I think to myself, if I'm going to refer this person to um, a client of mine or a potential client or, you know, a colleague, I better know that this is a person I can trust, right? right. And the resume doesn't tell me that. It, the resume it does, not. does not tell me that. Yeah, it it definitely uh, does not tell you that, and um, but that's what what that's what men tend to fall into is going into the resume. It's just a natural. Uh, I mean, for, we have a, another mutual friend, Nicole. Yeah. Um, and Nicole has a story in the book about uh, she is a trainer, and uh, she was uh, working out, and some guy is, uh, said to her, uh, "You seem to have a really good workout." Uh, and I, you know, I don't have a, a good workout. Uh, you know, I'm really struggling with this and trying to get back into shape. Uh, could you help me out? And Nicole looks at him and says, yeah, sure, I'd be glad to. What do you do? And he says, oh, uh, well, I'm the vice president of uh, marketing for, you know, XYZ company. And she's like, no, what do you do with the workout? <laughs> because that was the question he asked, right? Could you help me with the workout? She says, yeah, what do you do? And what does he do? He falls right back into what he does professionally. It's just a natural thing for men to do. And they're, they're not always, but listen, some of them are, but they're not always bragging. It's just, an, it's, it, you know, it's part of the, uh, the way men uh, operate. And so when women understand that better, it's a little better, it's a little easier to connect with them. Now, guys who are listening, the, the, the women actually uh, scored better than we did in generating business through referrals. Women generated more referrals than men. So we need to learn how to be more relational because they're getting it right in making those connections based on relationships. They're actually generating a, a higher percentage of business through referrals than we are. A lot of what you're talking about is emotional intelligence, and we're going to take a break right now. We'll be right back. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. 
Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito with our special guest, Ivan Meisner, founder and chairman of BNI and author of his latest bestseller, Business Networking and Sex, Not What You Think. So, Ivan, we've been talking a lot about the differences between men and women and their approach to networking. And you've talked about men needing to learn how to communicate in different ways and how to become more relational in yeah. the networking process. And, and, you know, what you're really talking about is, is how um, the concept of emotional intelligence comes into play here. And, you know, that really is about the way people relate to um, others and the skill with which they use to do that. So right. is, there a, is there a way to kind of up your EQ, your emotional intelligence, well, there is, and it, and it, it really takes uh, tuning into understanding other people more effectively. Uh, gender is one of those things. Behavior styles is another, and uh, I'm actually going to be working on a book uh, um, on behavior styles and understanding the other, uh, you know, there are different people have different styles of behavior, drive, influence, steadiness, compliance, the DISC approaches is one of those examples of what I'm talking about. And so the more you can learn about other behavioral styles and gender, definitely we have found has a different style, um, the, the higher your emotional intelligence. The problem is we don't teach this in, in colleges and universities as we right. talked about in the beginning, which is ironic because if you, if you look at the book, one of the first questions that we asked was, um, has networking played a role in your success? And, and 91.4% of the 12,000 people, 91.4% said, yes, networking has played a role in my success. Cheryl, when have you seen 91% of any group of people agree to anything ever in the world? Right, right. That just never happens. And yet 91% of these people said networking played a role in their success, yet we don't teach this in colleges and universities anywhere in the world. Sorry to interrupt, but it makes me wonder, though, about um, people's definition of networking. Um, I would absolutely say yes to that question, and I would say yes to things like, um, you know, it wasn't in a room where I walked into a networking session. Um, It was more about talking to somebody about what I was wanting or looking for, and then somebody saying, well, here's a person you should talk to, and then my calling that person and then asking them, um, do you know anybody else I should be talking to about this? And then they give me another name. And so, you know, the, I would define that as networking. 
And yet, you know, I have some of that same trepidation about walking into a, quote, a networking event or a conference where there's so many people in one place that I could be taking advantage of in terms of the connections. Um, And so maybe it's the definition of networking. It's possibly the definition. I, I, I... Actually, I think it's the execution more than the definition. I mean, there's a, a lot of books that have been written out there uh, on the definition of networking, and uh, my definition is that it's the that networking is the process of sharing ideas, information, contacts, and resources. So you're connecting with people to share things, to share knowledge, to share information, to share referrals, and um, it, you know, it's not it's not a, a just a sales. Um, technique uh, or or a way to generate sales. Uh, it's really a way. It's a way of life. It's a way of connecting with people to share ideas and information. And, and referrals are just one of those things. So I, I think the problem is in the execution of it. And the execution is a problem because we don't teach this in, in colleges and universities. Um, I, I, I was going to say that I just uh, I had a lunch with a dean a few years back, uh, and the president of the university asked me to tell the dean of the school of business. Uh, what I thought that they could be teaching that they're not teaching that's really important in the business community. And, and the president laid it up at lunch. He laid it up perfectly and said, Ivan, what do you think uh, you know, the school should be teaching that we're not teaching? And I said, emotional intelligence and uh, uh, social capital and business networking. It's not being taught anywhere or just about anywhere. And the dean looked at me without skipping a beat and said, yeah, we'll never teach that at this university. It's, it's a soft science, and we're not going to teach it. And I remember thinking, really? 91.4% of business people say it's important and you're not going to teach it. So I have a theory why we don't teach this in school. Uh, would you like to hear my theory? Yeah. But Hopefully, you, you don't have too many uh, full-time tenured professor, professors who are listeners, do you? We have a few. <laughs> oh, they're, they're not going to like my answer. So I was an adjunct faculty for 16 years at a state university in California. And one of the things I learned was that adjunct faculty have no control over the curriculum. None. Zero. It's the full-time tenured professors who completely control the curriculum. Only full-time tenured professors control the curriculum of a university. And so here's my theory. Most full-time tenured professors in business have never owned a business. And yet they're, they're teaching business. And so can you, imagine, um, a medical, can you imagine a medical class being taught by someone who's not a physician? Law school taught by people who aren't lawyers. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, uh, accounting taught by people who aren't accountants. Well, we have business school taught by people who are not business people. And that's why you have uh, 91% of the public saying, the business community saying, networking is important, and virtually zero uh, classes uh, being taught on business networking. Right. Well, and, and if you consider what's going on with um, corporations these days where uh, there's a bit of a brain drain, not only on the part of the female population, which has been going on for a long while, but we're beginning to see it with the male population. You know, people are saying, you know what, maybe I don't need that degree because I've got this idea, and I'm going to go start yeah. their company. And we're seeing more and more um, entrepreneurial activity happening and people having the opportunity to be successful through that, op- right. that, that entrepreneurial ap- activity and more and more money available to fund these ideas. And so, you know, it's almost as if the, the business schools are going to make themselves irrelevant if they don't get them. Yeah. 
know. And You're absolutely right. Yeah, and, and, you know, when you think about how um, corporations continue to downsize and, and mm-hmm. less than less than opportunity for advancement, um, people have to go somewhere. And so what you're talking about is going to be vital. They're going to be teaching into a model that's going to become obsolete. Yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. And uh, you're right, uh, more and more people are not... Um, going into uh, certainly the, the, the corporate world, they're going out and being entrepreneurs. Uh, here's here's sort of a, a side issue that came up in uh, one of the interviews I did. Someone said to me, uh, "Well, how could women have been doing so much better in this survey? Because women hit the glass ceiling and they complain about the glass ceiling, and it's hard to to you know rise uh, above a certain level." And my answer to that was that this survey was done by entrepreneurs, not by people in corporate America. These aren't corporate people that took right. the survey. These are entrepreneurs. So for women in entrepreneurs, uh, it's not so much a glass ceiling as it is a retractable sunroof. <laughs> it, That's it, good. Which goes to the, I like that. <laughs> you like that? I like which that. goes to the point that they're finding opportunities Right. out there as entrepreneurs, and they are, and women in particular are, and that there's not that glass ceiling that exists when you own your own business, at least I'm told, and based on this data, it appears that women have a much better opportunity as an entrepreneur because they're not being held back by anybody. So in the book, you refer to um, preconceived notions of who might be a good contact. And I love the story that you tell um, on page 164 um, about how someone in the networking organization really considered a young woman really not worthwhile. Yeah, this this is a great story. I'm sorry. That is great. Talk about that. Yeah, yeah, it's a great story, and, it, and it's Frank Durathley's story, my my co-author, and he 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 talks about uh, a group that he was managing, and the guy didn't want this woman in because she just, uh, as a matter of fact, she might have been in cosmetics. Even we talked about that earlier, but she was in a profession that this member just didn't think she had the kind of contacts that would help him out, and so he tried to block her her membership, and uh, a year or so later. This guy gets a, a referral that um, she had a contact, a neighbor, a friend, an associate. I don't, I don't recall who it was. Uh, but this referral ended up being, it was gigantic, and it was for the guy that tried to block her from being in. And Frank said to the guy, is this, is this the biggest referral you ever got in this group? And he said, this is the biggest referral I've ever gotten in my life. Wow. And it came from the woman he tried to block from getting in because he didn't think she had the kind of contacts. Right. They could give this kind of referral. And one of the things we've always taught is, is you know, you, you, have to, you have to diversify your networks. You have to bring in people who are different than you. And, and they just need to be quality at what they do because you never know who people know. People have contacts that you just have, you're clueless about. You just don't right. know who these people know. And so just bring in quality people who do a good job, and you'll find that they have contacts that will surprise you. I love that. I think that's great. Now, you know, we just have a few minutes left, but you know, I, I, you've got to talk about the dreaded elevator speech. You know, <laughs> I mean, I think everybody hates it, and and those that I've heard, um, I I don't think I've ever heard one that is really, I don't know, good, exciting, inspiring. 
I think they kind of fall flat usually. Yeah. Um, and so, how, what do you do about that? You know, you've got just a few seconds to kind of connect and make that that impression. What do you do? Well, you know, I think the thing to do is what I call a unique selling proposition or what what is called a unique selling proposition. It's something short and sweet that gets the person to ask you additional questions. One of my favorites is one developed by the Referral Institute, and it basically goes like, uh, we help people work less, make more, and create referrals for life. And that's the key to the unique selling proposition, that last statement. We help people create referrals for life. Because when, when they say that, the person they say it to almost always says, wow, how do you do that? Right. And so right. if you have any unique selling proposition that gets the other person to say, well, that's interesting, what, how does that work? Or well, how do you do that? Then, then you've got the right uh, elevator speech or unique, unique selling proposition, something that gets that person to, to tell you more. Well, you know, um, in the last couple of minutes, tell us, Ivan, what is it you really want people to know about the differences between men yeah. and women and networking? Well, yeah, there's a couple of things. One is, is some uh, data in the book that, first of all, didn't deal with gender. It dealt with men and women together, but I think it's really, really interesting, and that is when we ask the question, uh, are you, when you say, I am uncomfortable networking, uh, with the opposite sex, um, well, we got a response that was like eighty, eight, almost eighty-eight percent of the respondents, both men and women, is very close, said never or almost never. I'm almost never uh, uh, uncomfortable, and only five percent said most of the time or always. And we just thought that was really bizarre because people just don't behave that way. They they, they don't behave like they know what they're doing. So that eighty-eight percent say, "Yeah, I'm never." We thought that was really strange, and so we did a, a, a follow-up survey, um, a, a real quick, down-and-dirty survey with about 500 respondents instead of 12,000. But the question we asked there was, do you think the average person is uncomfortable networking with the opposite sex? Well, never or almost never dropped in half. It went from 88 to 48. Wow. And always or most of the time quadrupled. It went from 5% to almost 21%. So what does this mean? This means that when we're thinking of ourselves, how, how, Cheryl, how am I at networking? I'm thinking, I'm good, I'm good, <laughs> you know, I know what I'm doing. But what we're thinking is nobody else knows what they're doing. Okay. So we think, we think everybody else is really bad at it, but we're really good at it. And so what I want people to remember is that we might not be giving the impression that we thought we were giving, particularly as it relates to gender. Women may not be asking for that sale as well as they could have, and they're losing business opportunities because of it, and there's story after story in the book about it. Men, we come across too transactional. We're not relational enough. And so if we can learn how to be more relational and women can learn how to close the deal, now those are only two examples of the kinds of things of how we can bridge that gender gap and actually look like we feel we are acting with the opposite gender, we're going to be more successful. If we can bridge the gender gap, we're going to do more business. Well, Ivan Meisner, we have learned so much from you this morning, and we're so glad to have you back on Leading Conversations. So I know that people will want to know more about this and how to buy the book, so where can they get in touch with you and learn more? 
Well, uh, my uh, company website is BNI.com. If anyone would like to visit a, a BNI group, go to BNI.com. stands for Business Network International. Uh, and for anyone who would like to get a uh, check out the book, uh, get a free chapter, you can download a free chapter at the website for the book, Business Networking and Sex. Dot com, businessnetworkingandsex.com. By the way, we were thinking about calling the book Business Networking and Gender, but can you hear the crickets? <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of boring, so we went with Business Networking and Sex. Well, that sells. <laughs> but it doesn't refer. It was a, a good strategic move on your part. <laughs> Thank and, you. It's done well, and it's been a fun book uh, to do, and we hope uh, people like it. Oh, and I, I know I did. It was really a wonderful read, and I encourage all of our readers to, or all of our listeners to pick it up and become a reader of this book. Ivan, thanks for being here again this morning on Leading Conversations. It's been great, and good luck with this book and with all the rest of your work and networking around the world. Thanks, Cheryl. I appreciate it. I'll be, I'd love to be on your show anytime. And remember, everyone, to think big because the world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.